Previously on Quantum Kickflip. To the esteemed members of Gold Star Disaster, the pleasure of your company is kindly requested to attend the Operablum Fellowship Function. This event is an historic assembly of the most notable figures of Operablum and beyond, and will take place aboard the jewel of the Kindred Cruise Line fleet, the Multiversal Odyssey. We're really hoping that we can maybe get the Arborists over to Kindred. It's high time that they took up residence in more than one tower, don't you think? So you just want me to pass that on to the Forester, or...? Yes, please. We want to make sure that things are still good between Lansden and uh, Wilkie's Candy Lab. Do you think you could put in a good word for us? There's a, an interdimensional VR rig, and I'm sure there's a lot of information that's got to be put into that rig. And you want me to give you information? in the spirit of uh, collaboration. Well, this sounds like a wonderful pairing. I will go with Helix, the two of you will go together, and perhaps you should talk about your feelings. Uh, uh, Come on, Walt, uh, let's go. At the base of the stairs are two robot security guards, and you have just read the uh, cautionary sign that has told you Robots are not permitted in the observation tower. This is my proof that I am a human. I like coffee. I like (laughs) to watch movies. And I like to vux hard and vux often. (laughs) Uh, And the two of you make your way into the observation tower to start collecting thin zone information for Jericho Zebulak. And he points way up towards sort of the topmost corner of this water park. Up there is a Wilkie storefront. I want you to go there, select the most valuable candy in the store, and bring it to me. And go! (laughs) Gunshot! (laughs) Uh, And with his yell of gunshot, your challenge has begun. Good luck, Maven Wolves. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Quantum Kickflip. My name is Lena. I am your host and your slugmaster, and with me are some of my best and funniest friends in the whole world who are going to introduce themselves to you now. As you introduce yourselves, players, I want to know about a time that you were on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name is Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. I was on the Staten Island Ferry one time, and it was me and my mom went to a trip to New York after I graduated from musical theater school, and we just, like, sat on this uh, ferry, and there was this, like, old, old uh, veteran of uh, maybe the Marine Corps, I don't know, American (laughs) military, (laughs) but he just sat there, he kept saying fun facts about New York, and was like, I don't know if any of these are true, but you're, you're you're telling it like it is. You've only got one arm, sir. I appreciate your service in this moment and being on my tour guide on the Staten Island Ferry. <laughs> Hello, my name is David Ray, and I play Trev Four, uh, the Heart Playbook. And I haven't been on a lot of boats, but one of my favorite boat rides was when I was a part of a, a, a tour team. Uh, helping out different camps and churches and stuff like that. Uh, one of the people at this church asked me, hey, do you want to be in the float for the town parade? And I'm like, yes, please. And so I got to dress up like a captain. The The, the float was a ship. 
and I just pretended the whole time uh, that uh, I was uh, just lost and did was getting people to point me back towards the sea. And I explained, like, I'm from Manitoba. We don't have ocean there. Please help me. And I just would yell that. And that was the f- that was the best time I've ever had in my life. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that escalated. Oh, no. The best. <laughs> when you could just yell things into the crowd and, pe- and you can just tell the same five jokes over and over because it's just a new crowd every. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Robin, and I play Maybelline Zandros, the grit playbook with the photonic jacket. Uh, my family ran a boat for a long time. We had a, a, the last authentic paddle wheeler in Canada on the North Thompson River in Kamloops. My great-grandfather built it. My grandparents ran it. My dad was a captain. All my family members got married on the boat. One time I was the ring bearer, and I ruined a wedding because they didn't put tape on the floor where I was supposed to stand like they said they would. And so I went where I was supposed to stand, but there was no tape, and I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ready for you to have dropped the ring right. off the boat. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I did my job flawlessly, except for bursting into tears because there wasn't a, a masking tape R on the ground where they said there would be. <laughs> That's a great boat story. That's a great boat story. Hi, my name's Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle, the smarts playbook with the hard light board. And uh, I actually had a few boat stories, but when Michael mentioned ferry, it brought back a memory that I had forgotten about. I went to New York in junior high on a school trip, and we did the ferry between like Manhattan to Statue of Liberty to I think Ellis Island back mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, so I was, I was like junior high, thirteen, on this boat, little chubby white kid. And uh, uh, two uh, not white old ladies uh, just grabbed my arm. They were just sitting there. They grabbed my arm and were literally looking at my skin like, ooh, ooh, look how white he is. Ooh. And I was like, what? What is happening? Like, just, just walked by and they like helped themselves to my forearm and just were remarking on how pasty white I was. Uh, and as I mentioned, my name is Lena. I am your host and your slugmaster. And one time I went houseboating with my family and some friends uh, in the shoe swap and it was stormy. And so we had like latched is the word that came to my mind everything down we locked it all down uh and uh we're like tied into place and everything and then someone's clothes were on the boat they got blown off into the water like oh no the clothes are in the water and i was like i'll save the day i'll go get them and i went out and i swam out and i got the clothes and i came back and then like two minutes later on the other side the tether broke and the whole boat swung to one side and everyone was like thank god you were not in the water otherwise rip lena um speaking of boats you're on one kind of you're on a cruise ship uh operablum styles which is just a gigantic floating hovercraft uh, at the Operablum Fellowship function. You have spoken with a number of people who have asked you a number of favors, and you are in the midst of carrying out these favors now. So let us see how successful you are. Let's play some Slug Blaster. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Helix and Trev 4, the two of you find yourselves in the observation tower. And I think instead of like a very sort of blank space that you found yourself in, 
It's kind of structured a little bit like a waiting room. There's a, a carpeted floor, the most neutral color you can imagine. Uh, there's rows of chairs. There's like plants and stuff. Um, the ceiling kind of like domes up and over your head. And that's your sort of first indication that this room is not as it seems. Because, you know, there's sort of the walls that have like nondescript paintings on them and stuff, but then it curves up and just kind of fades into blackness above your head. You are wearing vests, each of you, that you got from the vestibule uh, in the room before. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they call it that, guys! Um, And attached to this vest by uh, a thick rubbery cable is a remote. Uh, the remote has uh, uh, up and down buttons uh, that's just labeled speed. Uh, there is also a triangle button with an exclamation point that says safety. And there are six buttons along the top, each uh, labeled with a little pictogram. There is a tree, a crystal, a water drop, a star, fire, and a house. So that is sort of the surface level of what each of you uh, can see and sort of what you have on you. Trev 4, I'm going to give you a little bit more um, because you have your omniscience aperture. Mm -hmm. You can see through walls into objects and all around you, which means you can see all of the programming that has gone into this space. It's not walls in a domed ceiling. It is a giant domed screen. The floor is a screen. The geometric shapes over which these facades of chairs and plants are uh, projected are holographic and movable. You can see all of the programming behind everything. And a little bit more highlighted and off to one side, you see a panel that looks kind of like a breaker box. So to clarify, uh, we see this illusion or whatever of a waiting room. Yep. And uh, the vests that we're wearing, what are they doing for us? Uh, First of all, they connect to the remote. Yeah. So you can tell there's probably other computational stuff programmed into the vest itself. Okay. And it's sort of a combination. Maybe there was this like muted looping tutorial video in the vestibule. It's like a combination. It like contributes to the sort of sensory experience that you have. Like maybe it makes you feel warmer if you go to a warmer dimension, that kind of stuff. Uh, And it's also a bit of like a grounding. Like it, it helps you feel like, ah, this is a thing that has me in this virtual space, it is not a real space because I am wearing this vest. Okay. So our eyes or whatever are picking up the illusion. It's not coming from the vest itself. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. It's the the screens and holographic projections are the illusion. It's not anything that's going over your eyes specifically. Okay. Then my other question is, as I'm like looking into this space, you're saying I can kind of see beyond what the illusion is. I can see this gray room or whatever. Yeah. If I'm looking over at the the breaker box Mm -hmm. thing, is that just in the blank gray room or is that also in the VR experience? Like, you know... Does it look like a like a painting? Or a painting, or is there like it some? It probably looks like a painting. Like something has been programmed over this. Okay. Um, but the breaker box itself is very much like 
a part of the room. You can open it and interact with it. Okay, so I think Trev 4 is going to like fully ignore what the illusion looks like. Mm -hmm. This is unnecessary. This is getting in the way of me doing my job. So I'm going to um, turn to Helix. Helix, it seems like this space, there is some sort of input uh, space over in that corner. I'm going to go investigate and see if I can maybe get access to the uh, computer. No, no, that's a painting of a cat in formal wear. <laughs> <laughs> and I check back with my realm wear. It's like, no, that is just an illusion. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This is all sort of like a holographic projection. You you can see through it. I was actually going to ask, how how or is wearing this vest affecting your sensors? Is this the whole reason robots weren't allowed up here? I'm sure it is fine. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be interfering yet. Okay. But we will keep an eye on it. Yeah, like I told you, man, it's all just safety rules. They're, they're just trying to keep <laughs> from getting sued. There's railings in the water park, like don't jump off this mm. part. Or Yeah, it's it's fine. It's not an issue, I'm sure. Hmm. I also have one quick question. Are we mm. anyone else in this space? No. Oh, and looks like we have oh. a place to ourselves, Trev. Even better for us to, you, for me to hack into their system. Excuse me for a moment. <laughs> Yo, sorry, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I trundle over uh, to the uh, port and like get out like the little input that's on my back that normally I use to plug into my charging port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, since I need to access it, I, I can just pull it out like it's a vacuum cord. Oh, uh, very good. So yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Just, you can pull it out, pull it out, pull it out. And then when I'm done with it, I can like you know, hit a button and just like... There's a little toggle. Yeah. yeah. Glenzo in the bot shop, like doing that thing where it's the last six inches and it won't go in. He's like pulling God, it out. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Pressing it again. pulling it out a little Having more. Having like, like feed it in a little pull bit. it all the way out and then no, <laughs> so no, it's still ungrown. Fuck. Um, Fuck, sorry. <laughs> uh, Helix is a little confused by what you meant by hack into the system. And he goes, oh, right, your, your aperture uh, space-time ampimeter. That, that, that's a great idea. Yeah, then we'll definitely get all of those coordinates for Jericho. And I'm going to be in good with the top man. Right on. Uh, yeah, and so I take that cable. Uh, say, like, I assume that there is there a port that would interact with my... Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I stick it in and see what, what happens. Uh, you stick it in, and I think there's like a series of like, boop, boop, boop. And it sounds a little familiar to you in like a, a mildly distressing way, but you can't quite place why it is giving you this sort of feeling. And then it kind of passes, and then you have access to this system. And basically, you you have a little bit more control, like you don't need the remote to okay. cycle from one dimension to another. And to find out more about what you can do, you're going to have to pick a dimension. Well, it seems it is time to pick a dimension to go to. Uh, and as you say that, Helix is like, you're right. And Helix goes to hit one of the buttons. But I think he, safe to say maybe you've got master control. <laughs> so whatever I hit, it doesn't matter. You. <laughs> Trev, it, like, looks at the options. I probably see the, the menu there. And, well, let's just go from the top. And it goes to the first one. Just I guess it would be, what was the first uh, symbol you said? Tree. Uh, first one was tree. Tree, yeah. Then let's go to the tree. We, we go through it in logical order. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh, exactly as Trev would do. And probably Helix, to be fair. <laughs> uh, and both of you see, like a wave, the projection of this waiting room gets wiped and replaced 
with just this explosion of green. Uh, The chairs kind of morph and shift and become big trees um, with like red and gold and um, purple bark depending on the type of tree. Uh, The the sort of blackness up above uh, becomes this bright sky orange with the dual suns that are hanging overhead it starts to feel warmer and more humid and off to one side you can see uh these moss covered ruins uh kind of sticking up and out of the ground and uh from what you can see it looks sort of like metallic and it's too big to fully make out the shape of it but part of it looks like it might be a hand based on the dual suns and the dank humidity i think i think this is the golden jungle trev hmm you are correct let us see if we can locate one of the thin zones and i i start uh, am i able to see like data into like what is in this yeah it's a a much more detailed almost like map with your vision and with you being plugged into this port you see a lot more of the sort of like back end of how this information was was acquired um you can also really clearly see helix in this space and wherever he moves in the space you can see the exact coordinates of it okay um, and you can absolutely use your space-time ampimeter to look for thin zones in this space. And it is at this point that I'm going to set up a progress track for the Ooh. two of you. The progress track is going to be five marks, codes, because you're looking for codes, coordinates, to these thin zones of various dimensions. If you mark every spot on the progress track, you will have enough information that you feel you can bring it to Jericho Zebulak and he will be happy with what you have. Okay. Then I guess I'm going to try to do the first search with the space-time amp meter. Uh, so I'm assuming it's trying to detect, like, like the, the data is so thorough that it has, like, the, oh, you're looking for this kind of signal, this electromagnetic signal, and they have that recorded for the... Yeah, yeah. because each of these dimensions, you can sort of surmise that... It's pretty thorough, but also pretty small and localized. You can imagine that kindred expedition teams may have gone into a dimension, done a full scan of the immediate area, and then gone back out. So they've got to be close to the thin zones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then I'm going to... Like like the Google car doing Google Maps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So I'm going to use a D6 from my... Attitude. I'm going to use a kick from my visor. Uh, yeah. Big money. And that's a good old six right there. A six. Yes. All right. So that's C and O. Uh, yeah, you want to use your kick to mark an extra spot on the tr- progress track? Yeah. You're going to find two thin zones. Let's describe this. Am I choosing where these zones are or are you... Uh, why don't you choose one and Helix chooses one? Because you also need Helix to go to the zone for you to lock in the coordinates. Okay. So yeah, I think Helix, as you're running these checks, Helix is just sort of walking around this scan of the golden jungle at a point in time, looking at the flora, the fauna, kind of remarking how he can't really see the the, the forest through the trees. He's down here on the, <laughs> the main level, like, like the ground floor. And as soon as you've got your coordinates, uh, I think maybe you've even got 
he goes to do the speed up button on the remote and you've got control of that too and suddenly he just like his feet go out from under him and he starts zipping like when you quickly scroll through (laughs) street view on google maps like you're just click 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 click, click down a street he's like uh and then comes to a lurching stop in front of maybe like a, a big weird What's what's a what's a tree in the golden jungle like a plant? Ooh, uh, it's like a tree, but the whole tree is like a squash kind of vegetable. Oh, sweet, yeah. It's, there's like squashes growing like apples from a tree, and he's like, oh, I, I think. Oh it's- no, no, the tree is a squash. Oh, okay, <laughs> but it can also grow little squashes. On sure, it. it's yeah. like a big, like the biggest squash you've ever seen. Yeah, growing these smaller squashes from fronds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can see that if we were to bust through this gourd. Uh, there's a thin zone inside, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, th- I think it's inside this gourd tree thing, weirdly. Um, uh, but yeah, definitely mark these coordinates. It's right here. And uh, wh- where's this other one? You-, you said you got a lock on the other one. <laughs> and then he, instead of going super fast left, right, like corralling around, he's now going up. Yeah. Uh, like you're zooming <laughs> out of Google Street View. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I have to zip you a- across a little ways. And, you know, you're getting that weird sensation of like uh, when you're really high up that you're sick feeling in your stomach and you're like whipped <laughs> over. And you seemingly are starting to fly straight down. You're not falling. You're being like thrown <laughs> at, the, at the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and you're heading uh, right towards that giant... There's like a mech hand, right? Second out. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't that is that the same mech that's like all that's kind of partially out of the ground and everything? Yes. Now that you've got that zoomed out view, <laughs> you can see that these ruins that are covered in moss uh, are actually all parts of a giant mech robot. I think, I think he like even braces for impact <laughs> and then like clips through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you nice. clip, you clip uh, uh, through the uh, robot, uh, through the mech, through the top, and uh, you get kind of into the middle of it. You, I guess you'd be kind of near where it's like gut or stomach would be sure. um, because it's, it's buried up to its like hip or waist. I was thinking that it'd be fun <laughs> that uh, technically the reason why it's sunk in there is not because of the swamp itself, but rather technically the mech has uh, stepped into a thin zone and it is te- the one leg <laughs> is like hanging out in another dimension technically. Somewhere and, in the multiverse, this is a yeah. giant metal leg. Oh, yeah, yes. Slug blasters go to like <laughs> two tricks off of Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like weirdly hanging there. Is and, it like, it's like a one-way portal and that's why like the leg can't come back, back through. through. It can yeah. only go oh, the one way yes. through. Yes. It's slowly over time getting deeper, deeper and deeper. deeper. <laughs> Maybe somewhere wow. in Vestige, it's like this leg is under other rubble. Yeah. yeah. It's never gonna, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you go to like where the hip is and it is like kind of like hollow inside the right because right, yeah. it's like it's, it's like you don't see inside a house on google maps no. you yeah. don't see like inside yeah the like like when you when in a video game when you clip outside of the map like when your character you know gets thrown too far away or like mm. any counter strike yeah. thing where you zoom out and it's just black on the faces you're not meant to see yeah, yeah. so yeah. he's gone gone from hurling through the sky braced for impact and is now in a black empty void that looks is the shape of a Gundam torso. 
Yeah. <laughs> and like to be clear too, you can't portal, right? Like you can get the yep. thin zone coordinates and you know that's where they are, but that's as far as you get because you're in a VR deck. Yeah. 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 It's not the portals aren't real, but yeah. the readings of them yes is, oh, can yeah. still be picked up by your space time ampimeter. Yeah. You totally got it. Like an address on Google Maps. I'm not yeah. at one two three Spooner Street. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there, there we go. We marked that one as well. Perfect. Uh, you managed to get that. Uh, Helix, maybe you clip your way back out <laughs> of, the, of the Gundam. Uh, Trev, p- pull, pull me out once you've got the coordinates. But, but slow, slowly, please, I'm feeling a little, a little nauseous. If I, if I wanted to have my body put through physical duress, I, I would have stayed home. <laughs> hmm. It is interesting that you're experiencing the confusion of being in the space and yet not. I seem to be fine. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I pull you out slowly, but it's like half speed. Yeah. So it's still kind of quick. It's just like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Trev. And just pop you up near the top of the uh, the mech or whatever. As you pull Helix out and bring him back sort of into the, the simulation proper. Yeah. Uh, and as you're thinking like, oh, I'm totally fine. Nothing is wrong. Um, that beeping starts again. And that familiarity of it starts to creep through once again. And that that feeling of distress uh, also starts to come through. And the, the memory of it starts to sort of creep in. You can sort of vaguely remember hallways, rooms, one room in particular with a bed and a child. And you can hear that beeping coming from a machine by the bed and the readings are not good and you feel that feeling of distress start to intensify and then the beeping gets louder and starts to sort of cross into this memory and and then start to like pull you out and back into the observation tower and you realize that some sort of security feature has gone off and recognize that you are not supposed to be here. So th- this beeping, this uh, sensation or whatever, I'm not. It's not in the room or anything like that. It is in the room. The beeping is in the room. Right. But the memory of the hallways, the bed, the machinery that the beeping is coming from—that's something that is locked it's away good. behind some kind of partition in your memory. So is it because li- I'm accessing their system? Yes. So it's kind of like I have to be open to their system in order to access their thing. So in the meantime, they're digging into me and also perhaps ex- extracting or viewing files. Perhaps. Oh. Hey, Trev, what's that beeping noise? It is security. It seems like they know that we are inside the system. And it is also a heart monitor at the same time. Huh? I do not believe that that is in the reality that you see, though. And before you can figure out further what's going on, Helix, you hear something moving, and you turn to look, and that hand, that big mech hand, is starting to break out of the moss, and then it starts pulling itself towards you. Trev, I don't know what the heart monitor thing is, but if it's a security system... Maybe we got to get out of here. Let's let's go to another dimension because uh, I, I, I got hand motion where hand motion should not be. It seems like the security itself can affect the illusion in the virtual reality. It is you pulling were, itself closer. I, I'm going to take my chances elsewhere and, and I'm going to hit the button mm-hmm. 
for whatever the next one is on the on the list. And the golden jungle disappears to be replaced by another dimension. Maeve and Walt. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wilkie has just pointed a finger gun in the air and yelled, Gunshot! After issuing you the challenge of getting up to the top of this water park, through the door to the Wilkie storefront, to fetch the most valuable candy in the store, his words, and bring it back to him. You have three minutes, so I'm going to start a danger track for you. Three, M, I, N. So that's a T H R E E M I number three. So it's four N U M B E R T H R E. There are four marks on this track, Michael. Oh gosh! And to make things a little bit urgent, each action that you take is going to mark a spot on this track. You can use kick to move fast and avoid marking a spot. But you got a time limit, baby. What do you do? Uh, Maeve, you know, looks up to this distant doorway that they're trying to get to, follows the slides all the way back down to where they are, and then follows, you know, the lineup for the slides and like looks and, you know, 50 kids all standing in a lineup waiting to go up a ladder that goes up a staircase that goes up another thing. It's like, mm. uh, uh, no time. Uh, and throws her board down. We got to move. It made that 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 one red slide. It it looks like it goes up pretty high. We we could get a a good ways up if we, I guess, rode up the slide. I mean, I I think slides are generally pretty one directional, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm lacking the creativity. Uh, you you got a way to reverse the water flow or or propel us up the. I mean, I can get pretty high speeds on this board, but I don't know if I can defy water pressure and gravity at the same time. Uh, I don't think the water will be much of an issue for. For this guy right here. Right, Carcinikin? Oh, absolutely. And he's just been sitting there uh, scuttling back and <laughs> forth as the water ebbs at the edge of the beach. Just like splashing along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, just, he's like not, not touching it, but he's like, oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think uh, Walt uh, pulls out his dive device and holds it toward Carcinikin and engages one of the buttons on it. Uh, and Carcinikin goes into a big transformation sequence of Carcinikin, that's surge to Arthrakin. And he's enveloped in the cerulean light and he grows in size to the large sort of lobster centaur creature that I've described before. And he's big enough for both uh, Walt and Maeve to climb on the back of, if, if you're up for that. <laughs> yeah, Maeve, uh, Maeve hops on. Uh, and I think they he sort of starts charging toward this red slide. And just as uh, we see a kid shoot out the bottom of it, there's an open path. And he's going to hop on and use one of his abilities to rush up the slide. Okay, let's get a roll from Walt. So this will be engaging the mobility boosters. Roll to have your robot go really fast. Can carry a passenger or two. Ditch the hoverboard and hop on. Mm-hmm. I think as uh, Maeve hops onto this, you know... In in previous runs, this would be the kind of thing where it would be maybe would be super awkward and like not sure how to like do I do I hold on to his shoulders? Do I do I touch his waist? <laughs> uh, but you feel Maeve hop on to Arthurkin behind you and just like fully wraps both arms around you like it's not a big deal and it's like all right let's move. Uh, and in the, on the flip side of this, as soon as she wraps her arms around Walt, he, his like heart is like beating out of his chest. He's just like oh. oh. 
oh god uh uh <laughs> she's got four hands on you so she can feel this a little bit and she's like hey it's all right we're gonna we're gonna beat this challenge don't worry right we got this uh, challenge right uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as the chill i always roll with a 2d6 can i throw you a, a d6 from my attitude or a kick uh i take a d6 yeah yeah we should throw yeah. some kick on it too, though. Otherwise, we weren't. Yeah, I, I will add uh, my own d6 and kick from the turbo pool on Robot Companion. So we'll be rolling 46 with the one kick in hopes that we can uh, skip marking that three. Uh, we've got a five. Five. Mixed success. Uh, okay. With the kick, you're not going to mark the danger track. Uh, describe how you shoot up this slide. Uh, yeah, as soon as that space is clear, Arthurkin kind of takes a leap forward over the last few meters away from the base of it, uh, and in midair engages, uh, calling out, Tidal Rush! <laughs> and he lands down on the structure of the slide, uh, generating these waves of extra sort of water force, seemingly out of nowhere. It's part of the hard light sort of spectacle of it. And he just, on these waves, he starts cresting up the slide, rushing straight up this large red structure as, as high as it'll take them. Nice, yeah. Uh, as you uh, uh, make your way up, uh, I'm assuming it's like a, a more open, like not a tube slide. Yeah, so that the makes three more of sense. you can like fit. <laughs> um, so the attendant at the top uh, definitely sees you coming and like sort of holds out a hand and is like tapping his foot and waiting. <laughs> uh, and you just uh, like. Lobster lights on, gotta hold on. Can't go, can't go. Uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, you, you, you shoot up and over, uh, these kids. And I think you probably like splash water on them and they're like, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think for your complication, I think I'm going to hit you with a snag. Uh, you shoot up, uh, and out the top of this red slide and, and you get quite high. You get some air and you can see the door off in the distance mm. and you're close but your trajectory wasn't quite right and you land uh, directly into the funnel slide oh, oh no <laughs> and you start spinning around and around and around and you're like about to like drop out into the pool so you need to find a way to get out of the funnel slide and up to the top what do you do this is Maeve's moment uh, <laughs> she right. reaches into uh, her little her uh elegant clutch that she has with this uh, formal outfit uh, and pulls out uh, a little silver orb uh, and just sort of slams it against her chest um, uh, explodes in a burst of light uh, and, and suddenly she is once again wearing her signature device, her arborist robe. Nice! I would have looked really sick um, yes. but she she had it the wrong way around and so it's on backwards. Yes, so yes. It looks dope but she has to like quickly shuffle it around. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't even have time. Maybe she's just going to wear this backwards. <laughs> she's just yes. wearing it backwards. Yeah, I love that. It's like a weird smock. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I want to use my hard light upscaling uh, to sort of fling us out of this situation i'll describe how if, if it works i'll describe how that uh happens uh, but i'm also taking the opportunity to use my ability patient when you reveal how you've been waiting to <gasps> act get plus one d6 or plus one kick on your action yes uh mave had her jacket ready the whole time heck yeah uh so yes i'm gonna roll for the hard light upscaling uh, i will take the kick from that uh patient ability uh let's mark a d6 from my jacket because i'm using my jacket could I throw you a D6 as well? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Do we think three is enough? Do we have any do we have any hype that we can utilize on this? Uh yeah, I think your hype pool is completely clear. You have two D6 and one kick. 
Yeah, I'll take that D6, and why don't we grab one from the hype as well? So four total. Uh, and the, the the D6 from uh, uh, Robot Companion comes in the form of Arthurkin sort of scooping each of us off his back with his large lobster claws, and he's actually going to use a water jet to shoot both of us up. So oh, he'll nice. continue swirling down and out the bottom and has to make his way up separately. <laughs> okay. But he'll, he'll sort of launch us to give us some air to start off. Nice. That's very good. All right, so I think you are rolling 46 and one kick. That's right. We got a six. A six. All right. Get yourselves out of here. Uh, yeah. As as Michael described, Arthurkin tosses up us up into the air to give us that little bit of boost. Uh, Maeve engages the hard light upscaling. Golden light erupts from her jacket. Uh, and she sort of flings one arm out, almost like a, a picture of yo-yo. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So she's sending out this, this uh, rope of golden energy. Uh, and latches onto a uh, higher slide and sort of uses the momentum of the funnel that they were whipping around and then Arthurkin's toss. She like rides that momentum through and they essentially swing upwards to try and make skip over a few levels of slide and, and get up near the top. Uh, yeah, I think that will do it. With the kick, uh, the danger track is still not marked. Very good job. Uh, and you are up at the top uh, while Arthurkin uh, spins around and around and around and goes bloop back. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> <laughs> maybe they, yeah, they, they cut a huge arc through the air and then maybe have to like kick off of one slide and then run along another slide and they're like almost parkouring their way up a little bit. Um, but the, as the uh, as the golden rope retracts and they find themselves at the top of the slides. Beautiful. Uh, you are able to sort of race through the doors. Uh, you kind of find yourself in a hallway area. I think there are other like water-based amenities here, like your saunas and steam rooms and what have you. Uh, you you rush down the hallway, burst through another door, and you see the trademark W uh, that tells you that you are at the Wilkie storefront. All right, this is it. But what's the most valuable candy? We don't. I mean. This, so how do you even narrow it down? They're all so good. And, oh, I don't know. Fox, what is that food court fizz blasters? They got them back on the market and Maeve goes straight for them. That's got to be it. Wait, but, wait, what was the what was the name of the candy that we brought them from Lanson? I mean, we just brought them a, a prototype. I don't think it had a name at that point, but it's, it's the brown semi-sweet candy. I don't as far as I know. I mean, I'm on all the forums and 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 I haven't heard anything about it hit in the market yet, but, but, you know, this is a pretty big event. Maybe it's, uh, and Maeve's going to scan around the room to see like, uh, can we find that, uh, that brown semi-sweet candy that, uh, we brought to Wilkie or have they, have they launched their new line? They have, uh, let me give you a little taste of what the <laughs> Wilkie store looks like. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, this shop kind of looks a little bit like, you know, the hard candy that has the swirls in it and it's like red and white or mm. green and white, mm-hmm. kind of like a mint candy. Looks kind of like that, but imagine every swirl being a completely uncoordinated color. Mm. Um, very bright. Uh, you got your yellows and your uh, baby blues and your orange and your pink and your chartreuse and all of them come together in just a 
bad <laughs> mishmash. Uh, every color as well is uh, sort of tied to a different section of the store. So you got your hard candies and then you got your gums uh, and then you got a whole section that's just panic energy drink. Uh, you got your goops and your chews. <laughs> uh, and on one side, not a whole section itself, part of a section, you see wrapped in these uh, modest silver sort of foil wrappings, the bar. And it is called the Wilkie's Frontier Bar, a novelty of Lansden Enterprise. <laughs> oh, wait, that's it there. The, the Frontier Bar. Frontier Bar? Fr- front Frontier Bar. Front, it's the most fronty bar. <laughs> You're overthinking it, and we don't have time. Just grab one and let's go. Right. Uh, can I? Where do I pay? For, do I scan this? Neve pulls out another uh, orb, uh, hucks it at the at the counter, and like three seventy five in loose change just explodes out of it. She's like, "Thank you, sorry, no time." It's a uh, coin what are purse you doing? orb. Yeah, it's a loose change orb. Yeah. Uh, this took a little bit of time, so I am going to spend a bite to mark one spot on the danger track. Yeah. Uh, so the number three is gone. You have M-I-N left. Ooh. And you race your way back towards the water park where Mr. Wilkie is waiting for you to bring him the most valuable candy. The vibrant greens and golds of the golden jungle get wiped away, uh, replaced by uh, this sort of uh, purple sky over which hangs this uh, massive, beautiful moon. Helix, you find yourself standing kind of on like a a shelf and on either side of you, you can see sort of cliff faces that have sort of been carved or maybe it's just a natural feature into these shelves. Uh, You think it might be a natural feature because these aren't sort of like rough, rocky cliff faces. They are very sort of pointed and geometric in their shapes. On these shelves are sort of a series of like crops and trees that are just absolutely bursting with these like bright red and orange fruits that sort of vary in shape. Uh, Some of them are round, some of them are teardrop shaped, some of them are diamond shaped, interestingly enough. Um, And you can see these sort of geometric caves that are also leading out of these cliffs. Ahead of you, because you're sort of standing on the shelf, the cliffs are at your back, you see a beautiful city. I'm picturing sort of like a twilight kind of light. Sure. And this city is a series of like very short uh, buildings, not at all like the towers in Operablum, uh, uh, twinkling with lights and, and passageways. There are a couple of sort of obelisks that are coming out of these cities, and you realize that you are in Thenis Spar. Whoa, look at this view. It, it, it's really incredible, this this Mediterranean twilight that I'm looking down on. I still don't understand dimensions who build their structures wide, not up. That seems like a re- <laughs> really inefficient use of space. Like, always go up, and then there's infinite amount of wide to use. I, I Whatever. Uh, here, no. Popularia, I, I don't get it. But it, it, it does look pretty beautiful when you see all the lights spread out like this. Wouldn't you agree, Trev? Indeed. 
It does look very nice, but I must remind you that this is not real. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I know it's not real. It's it's but it's a it's a scan of a, vi- of a vis- it, it does seem that you believe that you are in Thenispar, but you are not, and I must I, ground. you. I know how VR works, Trev. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, it, it is okay if you do not. It's okay <laughs> to need help sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is the security feature still a concern here? Uh, as you ask that, that beeping is still there, Trev4, and you can almost, like, feel yourself kind of, like, uh, phasing a little bit back and forth between what you can see, uh, you know, the facade of Thenispar over this illusion and the beeping of the security feature and this sort of hospital memory uh, that you're in and that, like, dread creeping in. It kind of goes back and forth for you. And Helix, as you ask this, you hear a low growl and you look behind you and you start to see sort of shapes moving in these caves and coming out of these caves are these bipedal creatures. Uh, I think they're a little bit taller than you. They have uh, clawed hands and feet and long faces lined with teeth with slit pupil eyes that are looking right at you. Uh, They're sort of covered in uh, feathers. There's maybe like five of them, uh, and they're sort of slowly prowling their way towards you, poised to attack. So you both know that, yes, the security feature is still active, so getting these codes is going to be a little bit tricky. Sure, and just for clarity, I can't see any of this hospital stuff. Just for our listeners. No, you yeah. cannot. It's this just is for all Trev. just for Trev4. The security parameters are still in place. It seems that they are manifesting objects and creatures to pursue you. So I will continue to search for thin zones as quickly as possible. Sure, but I mean, what kind of security measures are these going to be? Like you said, this place isn't real. These things are fine. And so even though they're prowling towards me and I have been told there's security, I've also just been reassured countless times that this isn't real. Uh, so uh, Helix is going to put his hand out to, to greet these things. Uh, real, real like uh, a Jurassic Park, like yeah. finger out to the to the Velociraptors. So uh, then I will use I want to use a D6 for my visor. Mm-hmm. And with my attitude, I still have a, a kick uh, from before. Technically, I passed my last check uh, and I replenished my D6 there. Okay. But I, I, I want to use the kick from the attitude. So 2D6, one kick, yeah? Yes. And the kick, once again, is to advance the track? To advance the track more. So I'm getting yeah, I'll, DE. And I'll, basically, as he's doing this, I would like to uh, defend myself. Uh, yeah, like I said, he like, has his finger out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they nip him on the end of the finger. And he's like, oh, okay, no, this this is real, except for the parts that aren't. Uh, uh, and, and he like starts to scramble because he's also let these guys get real close now. Yeah. So let's get that roll from Trev4 to find the code. That's another six. Damn. All right. <laughs> so you're marking two more... Uh, spots. Yeah, so it should be D and E, I believe, of codes. Great. You know what? I'll give you a little flavor here. Oh. Uh, in the Golden Jungle, I had stated that you had found two thin zones, and yeah. that was how you got more codes. You can do that here in Thenispar, mm-hmm. or I'll let you get the next code in the next dimension for free. Yeah, because it would be good to have it spread out. Maybe I find the thin zone that connects... This one, this to one, another to another one. one. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, cool. 
why don't we get this roll from Helix sure. uh, to protect yourself <laughs> against the Metasaurs. Uh, and uh, once you hopefully extricate yourself from this situation, Trev4, I will come back to you and we can find where this thin zone is. Yeah. You, you say hopefully uh, extricate myself, um, but I'm actually confident I'm going to succeed because if this fails, I'm going to just invoke know-how biology. If you If this would help you with an action, you can mark one trouble to upgrade a one to three to a four to five. So if I don't get four, five, or six, uh, I'm going to invoke that. So yeah, well, I think this fine. is success. <laughs> well, I'm also going to tell you that you were uh, very confident about the fact that these metasaurs weren't going to hurt you, and I'm not going to let that go unnoticed. <laughs> you can mark a kick to get yourself out of this danger that you have placed on yourself. Sure. Yeah, my hubris will cost me a kick even if this roll is going to pass. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Helix is going to uh, initiate the energy lattice to reform his board into shapes, including tools, hand weapons, other useful objects. Uh, I think he's going to reform it into uh, a creature that is the uh, he knows is the natural predator of the Metasaur, uh, the Scrudnarp. Ah, of course. <laughs> a much discussed Scrudnarp. Um, do, we, do we ever get a description of a Scrudnarp? Like, what we is it? did not. We got uh, knee high to a scrudnarp, I think is yeah. a, a phrase that- Bigger uh, scrudnarps to saute. Yeah, that is all we know about scrudnarps. Sure. Uh, then, yeah, I think these are, I mean, if we're sauteing them, uh, I think that there's, it's got it's got beefy arms and shoulders and beefy legs and, and haunches like a pig or a cow or any other animal we eat. Great. Yeah. Let's get some more descriptors from the other players in the room. <laughs> Uh, it's got a glistening shell. Ooh, I like that. It has these things on the inside of its stomach that like helps mulch up food. And if you can bring those out and crack them open, those are actually pretty delicious. They're like uh, like kidney stones of sorts. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> big kidney. And if you crack them open, it's- Love this description yeah. that we cannot see, but it does make it yeah. a, a more you rich creature. You know that creature. they're in there. You can see the oh, yeah. these like big lumps inside of it. And you're just like, man- <laughs> I know that tastes like coconut and rum. Ooh, yum, 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 yum. Oh, Sparsion oysters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, powerful tail. Powerful tail. Great. We all have a crystal clear idea of what these scrub narps look like now. Uh, let's get a roll. Yeah. Uh, so he, he puts his board straight up and down to almost make like a standy of this thing and hard light emits from all the edges of the, the board and high above. Uh, just one extra little detail I want to add here. You said these were like ha like sort of like feathered lizards. Yeah. So like like kind of birds, kind of lizards. Sure, yeah. Uh, do, do you know what uh, birds, lizards, and Helix Pinnacle all have in common with each other? <laughs> They're all... They all can see the fourth color. They are all tetrachromats. <laughs> oh, um, and so this is in some this sort of again. <laughs> some sort of color only they can see. Um, so I'm marking a kick because you said I had to. I'm gonna yeah. mark a D6 for my turbo. Um, and now I have a question. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna ask uh Trev for this, but Dave was real hot on the roll. Uh, <laughs> uh y'all haven't really been doing this, and I hesitate to ask this of you because mm. you've got quite a bit of style already, but are you doing a trick? Check it. <laughs> um, and I think he, he's gonna slam it down, make this big Scrodnarp scare them in the fourth color that only him and these creatures can see. Uh, it's gonna look cool as hell. Uh, I got a three and a one. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and invoke biology. Uh, I'm gonna mark a trouble. And yeah, that, that I think it's the it's the fourth color thing that saves him. Um, where he's okay. like, oh, I know how to make this scarier. 
Like, it, like he does it, it's not scary enough. Uh, 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 and then kicks it into this sort of ultraviolet, you know, extra color spectrum that only creatures with four cones can see. Ah, okay. So that is that is you turning it into the mix. I think that's I the biology. That. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. You uh, create this holographic image uh, of this Scrednarp, and it doesn't quite work. Uh, and I think maybe as you're creating this hard light image, you you know it doesn't work because maybe one of your arms is still a little bit extended and uh, you're going to get a slam. You're going to get a, a nipped slam. Sure. I would like to uh, step in here mm. since I'm like watching the system and like I, I'm seeing what Helix can't see. Which yeah. is, uh, you know, that there's actual arms that have come out and like they're trying to like subdue the person inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's seen like these creatures. Right, because uh, these are just in, in the, the real deck, these are just geometric shapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying, to bite, trying to bite me? <laughs> yeah. Robot yeah. arms trying to stick you with a, with a, a sedative needle or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so through the the console or whatever, I'm going to try to physically, like, move them away and try to, like, help him avoid it, and I'll do that by marking two trouble. Great, so you're noping nope. this I'm noping it, him. that's correct. Nice. Uh, and while I do that, I get a style, uh, because of team player. Nice, yeah. very good. Oh, oh, close call, thanks Trev. Uh, uh, uh fourth color. Uh, or whatever sound the scred art makes. Uh, <laughs> All of these are correct. Cowering behind his hard light board, <laughs> he he like stops. He he doesn't get uh, slammed. Thanks for the nope. Um, and after a second, like peeks up, you know, through the through the hard light boards, transparent projection, and sees. Hopefully these things running away. Yeah. Whew. Close one. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so we start zipping over towards <laughs> where the, 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 where the thin yeah, zone yeah, would you be. Yeah, pluck uh, Helix up and, and bring him towards the thin Just zone. Just as he's catching his breath from this, this, like, these creatures bearing down on him, he's now getting, you know, picked up and, and moved like the little yellow uh, Google Maps view guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google yeah. Maps Street View guy. Oh, away we go again. And, and you're like whipping and clipping through like trees and branches and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's leading you up towards this cliff that overlooks, you know, the, the, the town below. And uh, there is uh, a palm tree like tree that's like not growing straight up and down, but like is kind of coming out of the side of the cliff and is like hanging way over. And it kind of shifts and moves in the wind or whatever. And technically the thin zone is just at the far end of that. So if you're actually going to go up that tree, you use the tree to kind of like get there, but you'd have to time it just perfectly to like go through it normally. But we like take you to that spot just just beyond where the tree grows kind of a thing. All right. You managed to lock in those coordinates. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like your offer that perhaps the thin zone that you find is a thin zone that connects to where you're going to go next? Yeah, because maybe it's that thing as I'm scanning some of the other uh, possible dimensions from the menu that like I'm I'm realizing that there's like, oh, these readings kind of match up. This would indicate. Uh, so 
that's the one I want to flip over to, whatever that other dimension is. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh, you do need to flip into this dimension just to like confirm that these readings are accurate enough. Mm -hmm. uh, so you press the button, and once again, this scene sort of wipes into a new one. And at first... It almost seems like, you know, the far, far end of the city of Thenispar, you can see a bit of the ocean. And that's where that wipe is starting. And it almost looks like a huge tidal wave is coming up and over ah. uh, the both of you. And this, this scene of Thenispar is replaced. And you find yourselves underwater, surrounded on all sides and up and down by blue ocean. I think this ocean is, by the nature of this dimension, illuminated in such a way that it has a bit of that classic blue to it, like you would see in like a cartoon underwater scene. Yeah. So there is some light coming from somewhere in a distance. Yeah, cool. like kind of in the water itself, giving it this faint blue. It's still pretty dark, but not like the pitch black that an actual ocean would be. And all around you, you see uh, you're kind of in like a bit of a reef. There's coral, there's anemones, there's seaweed and other types of underwater flora and fauna. I described it as water on all sides. So they're kind of like clinging to these rocks that are sort of like floating. So they, they, they kind you. of move and shift or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of this is bioluminescent, so it is casting this like pink and green uh, and iridescent kind of light. And Helix, in front of you, you see this big, you can only really describe it as a moon, uh, perhaps because you just came from Thenispar and that's your closest point of comparison. But it is made of part coral, part glass and light is threaded through uh, almost like veins or almost like cracks like filled with this light that are connecting the coral to the glass. And orbiting around this big moon are sort of uh, bits of detritus that perhaps have been broken off of this. Bits of coral, bits of glass, uh, bits of other uh, glowing material. And uh, a part of your slug blaster sense is kind of pinging here, and you get the feeling, oh, you could probably get some sick components from this moon. In the real part of Desnine, of course, these are mm -hmm. holographic floating Yeah, degree. you can't grab them now because who knows what's being uh, uh, used to make this. And speaking of the, the holographic effect as well, uh, you can also like feel the resistance mm. uh, perhaps being generated by your vest that makes it feel like you are fighting against the pressure of the water and the, the strange gravity, the weird gravity, you might say, <laughs> of this place. And, and then I guess that begs the question, can I breathe? Yes, you can. Okay. The, the, the observation tower isn't going to be mean to you. This yeah. was an option. <laughs> a hose comes out of the you. wall and just fills <laughs> your mouth with the water. <laughs> Trev, mark these coordinates. I think if we ever find ourselves in Desnine, we can harvest this floating orb of debris for potential components. That is a fantastic idea. I will do so. I think you're sort of floating by like a particularly like 
porous rock that is very like long and like has these different branches off to it and like maybe has some like seaweed attached to the top of it much like uh the tree mm-hmm. uh that you were nearby sure, confirming sure. that yes Thenispar connects to Desnine here Right, we can log this too. Let's. I, I don't want to know what horrors lurk in the deep, and the the security system will give me based on on where I am. So the the sooner we can leave Desnine and maybe get one more code for uh, uh, Jericho, I, I think that would be plenty. It does seem that five is the perfect number that uh, Jericho would be looking for. I, I just mean five is enough to justify getting out of the way of the security system that is clearly cheesed off that we're here. Beep. Mm. Yes. Uh, uh, next, next, next one. One more. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'll let you pick the the next one here. Okay. So I will go down to the one that's underneath Disney, I guess, or like the after water drop it was crystal star. It was star. Yeah. Uh, so you press that button mm-hmm. and you uh, you find yourselves in an all too familiar uh, dimension, the dimension of Prismodia. You see the sort of. Uh, haze-like sky all around you, these distant stars. Uh, You see uh, the various glass formations. Um, Maybe because you're sort of close to this coral moon in Desnine, you find yourself kind of on a big sphere. And this sphere kind of has like tunnels going through it from one end to the other. So you can sort of like go in and explore. It's all kind of transparent. So you can kind of see everything that's in there, but you can still sort of like make your way through these sort of tunnels and things. Uh, And I think there's also sort of a like a river of shards of glass as Prismadia likes to do. And at first it all looks like glass, but then parts of it, the the bigger parts of it start to break off and swimming through the air towards you, Helix, you see a little swarm of transparent eels and their bodies start to pulse this kind of purple light as they make their way towards you. Gold Star listeners, it's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. If you've been enjoying Quantum Kickflip so far, please recommend it to a friend and leave a review on your podcast app of choice. Have you been craving more content from us? Specifically me, your favorite Slugmaster Game Blaster? Well, you're in luck. I was a guest on the most recent episode of I Have Some Notes, a podcast in which Quantum Kickflip darling Liam Kreswick, alongside Greg Beaver and Scott C. Bourgeois, examine Hollywood's most mediocre movies and attempt to rewrite a better film. We took a look at Mute, a Netflix cyberpunk neo-noir, and did our best to make it more coherent and less contrived. Head to IHaveSomeNotes.com to listen to the episode today. You can support us by following us at Quantum Kickflip on social media, where we post new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also support Quantum Kickflip by subscribing to us on Patreon. For just $2 a month, you can join the Shredder tier and get access to all new episodes of Quantum Kickflip two days early, or for just $5 a month, you get early access plus exclusive bi-weekly bonus content, including interviews, outtakes, behind-the-scenes featurettes, 
and much more. Head to patreon.com slash quantum kickflip to subscribe today. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Head to amaas.ca to learn more. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the continuation of the Multiversal Odyssey run on Wednesday, December 6th. Let's get you back to the action. Maeve and Waltz, you have the Wilkie Frontier Bar in hand. You are at the top of the water park once again. Uh, Arthurkin is at the bottom, splashing happily. (laughs) Uh, And you can see off in the distance, very, very small, down by the wave pool, uh, not moved from his initial position, Mr. Wilkie. (laughs) How are you going to get to him? All right, looks like all that's left is to get back down there. We, we had, what did he say, three minutes? Did, did either of us start a timer? Do we know how long we have? No idea, <laughs> but it's counting down, I'm sure. Uh, that's usually how time works. When <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> we were talking about your time with the Wicks earlier, you mentioned doing the drop. Yeah, I did, but I don't know see what that... Oh, How you feel about a, a little round two? What was your tops oh, time? Fox. Nine seconds? I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I can beat that. Uh, and Maeve uh, holds out, uh, well, I guess two hands to you. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's extending like her She's extending an arm. With two she's hands. extending a hand to you, but she can't help but extend two hands to you. <laughs> Walt like slides his hand in between, so it's like a sandwich. <laughs> Uh, she, she grabs your hand with one of hers. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the other one grabs your wrist, so you're extra, extra secure. So, Maeve, it sounds a little bit like maybe you want to bypass all the slides and kind of plummet directly towards Wilkie, maybe? That's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. And Maeve kind of looks to Walt and realizes that at least up here, he doesn't have his Divokin with him. So it's going to be kind of on her to figure out how exactly to uh, make this descent uh, without, you know, splattering at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think once again, I want to engage the hard light upscaling because that's the only one that makes sense. Roll to temporarily augment your jacket with useful hard light ornaments such as glowing tentacles, giant polygonal fists, or briefly serviceable wings. Uh, and I think, you know, it's right there in the text, but that's that's what we need in this situation is uh, is a way to slow our fall. Uh, so she's going to, uh, with the hand that's not holding Walt's hand, uh, engage, uh, you know, type something into the, the cuff of her jacket, into the controls there, and dial it in. Uh, and then I think it's time for a leap of faith. <laughs> All right, let's get a roll. I'm going to add a D6 from my jacket. I'm going to add a kick from my jacket. And what the heck, I'm going to throw on a D6 from my uh, attitude as well. So I got three D6 and a kick so far. Uh, And and Mama GM coming in to take care of y'all again. You doing a trick? (laughs) Mm. Yeah, we gotta. We gotta. Yeah, you do. All right, three D6 and a kick. That's a five. Mixed success, which means you still get a style. 
Uh, I'm assuming you're using this kick to halt the danger track, because I think you can use it to mark an additional style if you want, or create another additional effect. My initial thought was to halt the danger track, but I guess we're pretty early in that track still. We got we got some room. You do. Um, you have three spots. So I'd take an extra style, sure. All Let's right. mark two style about Get an this. extra style, and I'm going to mark a spot on that track, meaning you have two spots left. They step off the platform uh, and begin to plummet. Maeve's got her hand on the cuff of her jacket, um, but she's waiting for her moment to unfurl these wings because she knows that they need to get down as quick as possible. Um, so they're sort of... She, she's tried to pick a trajectory where they can plummet for a while in between the slides and sort of zip through the narrow gaps uh, without hitting anything uh, so that at the last second she can slam her hand down on the cuff of her jacket and and burst these wings out to sort of slow their fall at the last possible moment. Mm. All right. You will be able to get back to Mr. Wilkie in time. This danger track is not going to run out. I think you do activate it at the last possible moment, but it's not the kind that can get you sort of a, a... cool skid to a stop directly in front of Wilkie kind of landing. Um, You do overshoot it slightly and you and Walt are going to end up landing pretty hard in the wave pool. It does send up like a spray of water that frames you in such a way that it doesn't look like you like with the the landing. It's still going to look cool and like you did a neat little trick. Once again, all the kids in the wave pool are like, yay! Yay! (laughs) Yeah. Um, but you do get hit pretty hard as you land in the pool, and I'm going to give uh, both of you a buffeted slam. Would you consider that a physical slam? I think so. Uh, then I think I maybe want to try and invoke an ability to mm. uh, not do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, if it's the ability I'm thinking of, it looks like it says uh, protect you or a nearby teammate. So mm-hmm. whomst are you protecting, sir? The, the ability we're talking about is guardian mode. Mark mm-hmm. one turbo to have your robot protect you or a nearby teammate from a physical slam. Uh, is there a way to spend an additional kick or something to expand that to be both? Like if we want to maybe mark extra turbo, we can. If we want to find ways to nope it, we can. But we can say that all of this narratively is sort of being covered by what you do here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, then I think I want to take it as one action. I'm going to mark the two trouble to nope it for myself, and then I'll mark one of my kick to be the turbo for that ability to mark Maves. Sure. Wilk can kind of tell that they're not going at the right trajectory to land by Wilkie, uh, and he manages to catch Arthurkin's eye from down at the, down at the beach where he's splashing around. <laughs> yeah, having a great time. Ah, water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wilk calls out to Arthurkin, holding out his Dibo vice, and shouts, Arthurkin! Time for a lateral surge. And with this, we'll go into a new transformation sequence of data surging. Uh, rather than moving up a form uh, from Arthur Grant's current polished form to the next level, he's moving to a different polished form. Mm. Uh, so he calls out, Arthurkin, lateral surge to Xyphoskin. <laughs> and he's enveloped in the same cerulean light and the form expands much, much bigger. <laughs> this is a Daibokin form that I've developed essentially to be a transport form. Bus Daibokin? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty well. Uh, his shape grows and grows and once the light fades away, Xyphoskin is there and he is this form of a large, tan sort of horseshoe crab 
with red sort of chevron markings along his back and a nice. large red stinger tail. Um, he's just this huge body and his legs dangle down. They kind of look like the, the legs of a silt strider from Morrowind. And this huge hovering horseshoe crab flies up and just sort of catches us in the air. <laughs> nice. And just like gently brings you down to Wilkie. Mm-hmm. You're a nice big soaring arc. And he's a huge form. So everyone can see this large creature swoop in and gently land down in front of Wilkie. 110, 111, 112, 100. Oh, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got the... um. Uh, and Maeve starts to reach into her jacket. Um, backwards, her backwards jacket. Oh yeah, it's still on backwards, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but I think it was Walt that had the had the bar. Yeah, uh, one Wilkie Frontier bar, as per order. Uh, Mister Wilkie takes it from you and examines it, and he says, "Congratulations, you have passed my test. The Wilkie Frontier bar was the most valuable bar for what you wanted to achieve for Lansden Tower." Uh, Maeve uh, has the food court fizz blaster in her hand, almost extended, but sort of sheepishly like (laughs) pulls it back into her fist and like tucks it back into the pocket of her backwards jacket. It's like, right. Yeah, no. Good. Good thinking, Walt. (laughs) You got it. You have blown this challenge out of the water. Pun. (laughs) 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 Huzzah. We have succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) For completing this challenge, I think that Wilkie's will continue our relationship with Lansden. You have proven that you value friendship, candy, and fun. And, uh, say, seeing as you did such a good job with this challenge, would you perhaps consider a sponsorship relationship? Wait, like, for the crew? For Gold Star Disaster, yes. I mean, we we got to run it by the other members, but... Uh, of course, please run it by uh, Felix and Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll tell Travis. I'm sure he'll be on board. <laughs> um, just just give us the paperwork and we'll take it back to... Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll, we'll be happy to look it over. All right, I'll make sure that we get you the appropriate contracts and NDAs. <laughs> Uh, congratulations, Gold Star Disaster. You have completed the challenge, repaired the relationship between Lansden and Wilkies, and got a sponsorship? Y'all are crushing it. Uh, and Maeve uh, sort of takes a moment to, to just bask in their success. They're here. They've got this giant Daibokin form. They're, they got a sponsorship on the horizon, and, and she thinks about her, her other crew members, Felix and Travis, and, and <laughs> has a, no doubt in her mind that they're doing just as well as we are. Of course they are. Of course they are. Helix, you're about to get attacked by some psionic eels. What do you do? (laughs) Uh, How's Trev doing on that? (laughs) How's Trev doing on the, the thin zone location, I guess, is the... Pertinent question. Great question. Trev Ford, what do you do? <laughs> I'm going to continue looking for the thin zone. I'm going to use uh, a D6 from my visor. Fortunately, it's just the last letter. So hopefully, I, yeah, I think I'm just going to go with the 2D6. Uh, are you doing a trick? No. Okay. No, this is still just... I feel like business transform. Yeah, I, I feel like there's nothing innate in this uh, that that warrants it. But uh, you say 
I, I did get another six on that there. You did? <laughs> Good lord. Uh, okay. You are going to get this last code for Prismatia. Awesome. Trev is able to locate this uh, next thin zone, but it's in a very uh, peculiar place. It is uh, between these two uh, complicated uh, crystalline structures that are spinning there. Like, imagine that they're like flat to a degree, these uh, snowflake-like structures mm -hmm. they're spinning. And they're all like ultra sharp. Uh, yeah. And they're, it's moving like a windmill uh, and both of them, they're going like two different directions kind of a thing. Nice. And it's kind of like, there is a, a nice slide of a, a ramp that leads towards the this crystalline snowflake uh, thing. So it's kind of like a, a mini golf scenario where you have to time it just right so that the blades are not going to cut <laughs> you. Because <laughs> oh, the, wow. the, the, the portals between the two snowflakes. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so getting Helix there will be fun. Thank you for giving me that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a DM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Helix, how are you going to mitigate these uh, eels, which are starting to swarm around you? It's like a you. swarm of a bunch of them coming at me. Yeah. Um, Tre Trev, do you have access to the cameras in this place? I do. Can you record this, please? I've got a something pretty exciting I want to try and 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 check it. I'm, I'm going to do a trick. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Energy lattice, y-axis, form of harpoon spear. Uh, and so he's almost he's turned his board like into a harpoon gun. Yeah. And and it looks like he's gonna aim it at the group, but it's a swarm. He's only you know, best case scenario, one or two of them. And he's gonna point it up. <laughs> you said there were like chunks of glass floating around, like glass droids, I believe yeah, you yeah, call yeah. them. Uh, he's gonna point it up. Actually, no, that's real chandelier coming down on guys, but we've got multiple dimensions to play with. He's going to point it down and he's going to yank a Glasteroid up into these guys like like, you know, uh, Brinley and company bringing the chandeliers down on the vampires. He's going to bring a Glasteroid up on this swarm. Nice. OK, let's get a roll. I'm going to add a D6 from my my turbo. Can I have a hype die from the, the group? Yeah, actually. How about I give you one of mine? Sure. Because if I help you, that helps me. Uh, so how many D6 do I have? Uh, three or four if you want to take the hype. I'll keep the one in the hype. So uh, that's three. So I'll just roll the three here. No kick, because I'm hoping I can get all of them because of this glass droid thing. Sure. I'm almost disappointed how many sixes we're rolling today. It's starting <laughs> to not be fun, but I got a one, a two, and a six. <laughs> all right. Do you get a style? We're too good at Slug Blaster. We're too good okay. at Slug Blaster. Yeah, take them out. Fire Harpoon. <laughs> And like a hard light harpoon with a hard light string behind it, like <laughs> thin wire, kind of like the wire he left for the the, the candy trail yeah. uh, in in the waking pits, punctures the glass droid, starts recoiling the hard light back into the board. Uh, it's all projection, it's all hard light, but it works. Ooh, and then he just turns his board forty five degrees, and the trajectory stops going from towards him to towards him and up. Uh, detaches the hard light rope uh, so that he's got the, the, the trajectory he wants and just as these like lightning eels are coming right for his face they go flying up and away from him as a glass droid kind of whips by past him. Nailed it. Nice. Very, very good. Whoa! 
guy then obviously yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to where Trev's gonna take him. Yeah. You're you're going to the sort of slide that's gonna slide you towards this thin zone, and it is actually at this point that I'm gonna spend a bite. Okay. Trev for as you are taking Helix towards where this these thin zone coordinates are, you're gonna get close enough that you, you know, you only have to alter it by a few degrees. If someone were to go there, they'd find the thin zone. Mm-hmm. But you're not gonna get the exact coordinates because things start to sort of glitch on your end. Okay. And Helix, you can kind of feel it too, where it feels like the movements are getting choppier and the, you know, the the glass river that is winding through Prismatia starts to sort of move in a more disjointed manner. And suddenly all of Prismatia around you starts to disappear, but it's not the smooth wipe and transition from one dimension to the other that has been present throughout your time in this observation tower. Pieces seem to be coming out and then are being replaced. And it's it feels very glitchy, very disjointed. And when it fully transitions, you both find yourselves in what appears to be an operablin residence. Trefor, you are currently plugged in to this circuit board, mm-hmm. and you feel yourself fully in a memory now. Um, you are plugged in, charging. Your ice chip is uh, preventing the updates that are coming to you from the kindred bot shop. You are not in the bot shop, though. You are in this residence. Mm-hmm. And while you're charging, while the updates are being blocked, you notice these digital files that weren't there before. And your curiosity gets the better of you, and you open them up. You see an application. It's a loan application for a place called Quick and Dirty. You recognize this place as a business run by Shimmer. This puts you entirely on edge because you know from having your ice chip you've had to do a lot of work for Shimmer to justify keeping your ice chip. You have had to go collect debts for Shimmer and have seen the receiving end of that. You know that being in debt to Shimmer is a very, very bad thing. So you take these documents, you move through the residence, and Helix, you can see all of this. As Trev 4 goes to confront Stanch. Yeah, so maybe Helix is in like a distant position within this tower or this this room. Uh, you're maybe like the top of a stairwell about to like slide down it the way that kids sometimes do because sure. that's where you would have been before Prismatia totally glitched out. Yeah. And you're sort of at the top of the stairs but you can see into the room and see everything that's going on. Oh, nice, but I'm, I've got a bit of a distance. Between. A little bit. Sure. Yeah. Stanch, I must alert you. I noticed that you have filled out an application for quick and dirty. I must warn you that this is not a good contract to sign. Trev, I, sorry, I, I thought you'd still be charging. Um, should, I, I, I should have cleaned up those forms. Sorry, uh, I don't have any other options, Trev. You have no other options, you are low on money. You you cannot afford me anymore. That's that's correct, Trev. Uh, I I still owe quite a debt to the Kindred Children's Hospital, and taking into account the other uh, 
other arrangements for Faye. It's 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 all been quite a lot, uh, costly. Um, I I appreciate everything that you've been able to do for well, for me, Trev. But I I I just can't afford to keep you around anymore. As but I do not want to leave. You are my friend. You're my friend as well, Trav, but I... These corporations and the way they run things, they're, they're very strict guidelines, and I, I can't go against those, those sort of structures. You need money to make things happen here, and there are only so many places I can turn now. Stanch, I do not want to leave this arrangement. This matters to me. I will make it right. Trev, th- th- this, these are no longer your concerns. I, I, I can no longer rent you. you. You've done so much for me and my family, but it, it's over now. These are my problems to deal with. It matters to me. You matter to me. I will make this right. And Trev starts like, you know, like turns on his heel and is heading towards the door. Wait, Trev, no. Don't, don't. Trev! And as Stanch calls after you, Trev, the room starts to glitch again. And you hadn't realized that this had happened. It just occurs to you now as everything starts to glitch out and disappear and turn back into the waiting room that you saw when you first entered. You turn and notice that you had actually moved through the space and had unplugged yourself from the wall. Amazing. And you and Helix are alone in this waiting room, and you can still hear beep, beep, beep. Uh, I think Helix is uh, on top of one of these geometric cubes that just yeah. sort of manifest out of the space to be trees or monsters. It's like or whatever. a wedge, yeah. yeah. And he's just kind of on this like top of this wedge, uh, uh, and he just sort of slides down on his bum uh, to the ground. <laughs> Trev, what w- what was that? It was my past. It, I, I loved that family. Uh, I, I guess that makes sense. The, the maybe the, the room here, the deck. You know, if you could access its database and systems, it probably had access to yours. It's usually a two-way street. What doesn't make sense? Sorry, you, you, you loved, loved them. Not acted out the programming that simulates love. I believe I loved them. I made choices that my programming would forbid. Um, as as Helix sort of like contemplates what this means for Trev and and machine learning overall, and and you know the nature of of love and and philosophy, uh, something I don't know, like can just some ge- random geometric cubes pop up with like little lasers and yeah. um mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know syringes trying to get us out of here just start like making their way towards us you're in the waiting room uh scenario you're like back where you first came in where it's just like a nice pleasant waiting room but like the ferns are starting to like creep <laughs> towards you aggressively yeah 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 <laughs> treb i i think there's a lot to unpack here but we we maybe need to to get out of this room i i really I do think we shouldn't have jacked you into the systems, not just because it's forced you to remember a traumatic memory, because it's also very, very pissed off. Trev is 
you can hear like this whirring in his uh, in his system as the fans are kicking. Like clearly, a lot of energy and a lot of thinking is going on. And uh, Trev looks down at his hands and looks around. It, it's it's the first time you've seen him like get confused in a way that's like a lot of the other times it's like robotic where it's just he's shutting down but like you start seeing him move in like such a way that is more human whereas Mm -hmm. like these small little details of like realizing that he's in a body kind of a thing as opposed to just a entity moving around in space thinking about how the signal he sends from his you know system to his hand servos yeah, mm-hmm. he's, and, he's flexing on manual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Trev turns on his heel again in that very like snap kind of a way, but uh, he is kind of like looking around and seeing like unsure of the space he's in and uh, almost like not using any of his realmware lenses or any, any of that kind of stuff, but fully present as he's like walking out with you. Uh, Helix is not walking, but running because he's pretty sure he doesn't have glasteroids to throw or natural predators to scare these pure, unadulterated security <laughs> systems uh, that yeah, just just getting out of there is, is priority one. So, yeah, what starts as a walk turns into a run and we run out of those double doors. All right. The two of you hastily exit the observation tower and make your way into more of the multiversal odyssey. There's a lot to unpack here, but you have completed your progress track and Trev in your records. You have those coordinates that you can pass on to Jericho Zebulak. Congratulations. Thank you. and Maeve, you make your way out of uh, Swim Hub Gamma uh, back into the larger recreation area that you were in before with the obstacle course and the mini golf course and the rock climbing course and any other course you want to just toss into this area. It's absolutely there. The bowling course. The bowling course. <laughs> uh, I think as you're making your way out, you see from across the space um, Helix and Trev entering from the other side. So you two can kind of see each other. And then uh, off to one side as well, coming in from uh, an ice skating uh, uh, show, uh, (laughs) Maeve, you actually see Forrester Tarment. Uh, And he is there with some other arborists, and they're just talking quite excitedly about the show they had just witnessed. Taking in stunts on ice. Yeah, 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 exactly, (laughs) exactly. Uh, Maeve is like, uh, I think she's got her uh, jacket on over just like a, a, an undershirt and she's like wringing out her um, like Phoenix feather top uh, from the Calorium Phoenix feather top that Trev had got her because uh, it's all splashed by water from this. It's like, oh, this is this is ruined. <laughs> oh, I think this was really expensive too. Uh, oh, hey, hey guys. Uh, and kind of laughing and smiling with Walt and, and waves over and, and I think maybe catches some of the just like uh, thousand yard stare from Trev and Helix of like that we're coming off of a fun water slide adventure and you guys have just 
witnessed a deeply traumatic memory. <laughs> it, it may not be as evident on Trev's face. I guess. Because yeah, yeah. it looks the same kind of like neutral face. Well, you're face. back down to 8-bit, so yeah, I, it's impossible to read. If I had those extra you know, few <laughs> bits. but yeah. you know. It's not a smile. It's just a flat line for a mouth. Yeah. 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 Hey, so uh, success on our end. Uh, Wilkie's got... Uh, they're they're going to keep up the partnership with Lance, and they even they offered us a sponsorship if we want it. Amazing! That that's actually really exciting news. A Wilkie sponsorship? That's incredible. I, I do have to ask: was was Wilkie everything you imagined him to be, and more? He was just like a guy. I don't know what Bryn was talking yeah, about. He was hmm. maybe less than I had imagined. Yeah, decidedly <laughs> less. What What about y'all? Did you manage to do the thing with the VR deck? Yes, we used the systems uh, in place in the tower to locate thin zones already documented by the scans taken of these dimensions. And we locked those coordinates down and should be able to successfully take them to Jericho Zebulax for praise and reward uh, and uh, renewed faith in Web Corporation, in us. <sighs> Gold Star Disaster. Why the Vorgal vibes then? You guys, sounds like it was a, was a total success. The system had some, some glitches. That we're still processing. That sounds like it needs to be unpacked, but we may not have time. Listen, crew, sounds like we're we're doing well on both fronts so far. Uh, how would you how would y'all feel about trying to go three for three? I also uh, met with someone before we all got together, uh, Gigi from Kindred, uh, and she wanted me to talk to the arborists on on behalf of the Kindred Corporation. And oh, I see some of them coming out of the ice show right there, so. I figure I, I talk to Arborists all the time. It's probably going to be an easy win for us. Uh, Helix goes to sort of mention, be like, you know, we got a Wilkie sponsorship and the attention of Jericho Zebulax. I, he's about to suggest cutting our losses or not cutting our losses, quitting while we're ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we've done well, uh, but it's it's the thing where it's like, well, literally here comes for us retirement. And kind of before he can say, hey, maybe we just call this a win and like, let's yeah. just take the W and pack it in. Uh, you're already in conversation with Forest yeah. Retirement. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she does the thing where she's like, right, you know, makes sense. Everyone's cool with this. No time to respond <laughs> anyway. <laughs> ah, Maybelline, what a what a pleasure it is to see you here. Hey, Ward, uh, uh, Tarman, um, how's it, um, how was the show? Oh, it was quite breathtaking. I would highly recommend it. Uh, oh, yes, Walton, Trev Four, good to see you again. Uh, hi, yeah, I, we met that on that tour the one time. Yes, and, and I don't think I've had the pleasure of making your acquaintance. Uh, Forrester Tarment is my name. Uh, Helix Pinnacle of Web Towers Pinnacle Project. I've heard a lot about you from Maybelline. Yeah, so uh, speaking of, you know, all the all the people you just met from all the different towers and the towers come together, uh, I had a conversation with uh, uh, someone from Kindred Corporation earlier, and uh, they, they asked me to, to sort of put in a word with you. Uh, they, they were hoping to maybe start talks to get an Arborist temple up and running in Kindred. And I figured we're all about multiversal harmony and that's got to extend to inner tower harmony. And what, what better way to have all the towers working together than to have an Arborist presence in, in Kindred and maybe web too, if they're open to it, why not? Forrester Tarman's expression doesn't change, but in the way that you can tell he's forcing his expression not to change. Mm. And the arborists around him are looking a little bit uncomfortable as you're talking. And uh, Tarman says, Well, I agree with 
everything you are saying. Yes, it would be very beneficial to have an arborist temple in all three towers. We need to be very careful about how we do it, Maybelline. What do you mean? When we had a temple established in Lansdon, it was on very good terms. We are able to have our space and carry out our operations with very little overhead intervention. If we were to open a temple in Kindred, we have no guarantee that they would give us that same equity. All right, so, I mean, drop the contracts to say whatever you need. I mean, Kindred's all about that legalese. I'm sure you can you can trap them into some kind of agreement and, and figure out what you need to. Just, I, I mean, just because it might be risky isn't a reason not to try, right? Uh, I think uh, Tarman's eyes uh, flicker over to Trev Four, uh, and he says, "You, you are probably quite familiar with how the legal side of things operate in Kindred, are you not?" It is true. There are several thousand pages of terms and conditions downloaded into my programming for all sorts of Kindred. Now our operations are quite simple. We come from Thenespar, and we try to be fairly straightforward in how we act. We we don't tend to tie things up into too much paperwork or red tape. Should we enter into a legal agreement with Kindred, who do you think would have the advantage? The legal team of the Kindred Tower is amongst the best in the multiverse. There you have it. Not to mention, Maybelline, in spite of all of this, in spite of this function, in spite of the good that all of you have done for all three towers of Operablem. Kindred still believes that they are the best. And I believe that that perception will only be magnified should we set up a temple in their tower. If we were to do this, we need to ensure that Kindred can demonstrate humility. And as Tarment says this, from behind you, you hear a voice. Oh, you want Kindred to demonstrate humility? We think we can make that happen. And the four of you turn to see, standing in front of you, three goth girls, <laughs> hoverboards under their arms and smirks on their faces. Once again, you are face to face with the Wicks. Wicks.